Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Worcester Talking Newspaper, recorded at Colin Chance House on Thursday the 15th of February. I'm Jenny Tansy and with me reading the news are... Sue Perry, Hannah Green, Kate Hudman. Nigel Green is our engineer, Carol Hartle and Duncan Wynne are working on administration and this week's copying team are Bernard and Doreen Potter and Janet Bailey. Thanks to Worcester News for all our information. The headlines this week are... Grooming arrests, city police raids one man released, fresh probe into death of rough sleeper, gang of children blamed for fire, dealer had cocaine, heroin and knife at hotel, and nothing was done to save Beth's life. And now I'll read the um, deaths. Beatrice Baldock, known as Beat, passed away peacefully at Perry Manor Care Home on January the 25th, age 98. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 20th at 3.15. Iris Camden passed away peacefully on January the 23rd, age 95. Funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 22nd at 10, sorry, at 10.45. Vera Grace Cottrell passed away peacefully on January the 20th, aged 86. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 19th at 11.30. John Jones passed away peacefully on January the 17th, aged 80. Funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 16th at 3.15. Dorothy Irene Thompson, known as Rini, passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on January the 25th, age 90. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 20th at 10am. Violet Alfreda Underhill passed away peacefully on January the 28th, aged 88. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 23rd at 3.15. And Patricia Gormley, sorry, I think it's Gormkey, Passed away in January the 27th, age 79. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 28th at 10.45. Nora Broham passed away on January the 22nd, age 98. Funeral service is at St. George's Catholic Church on February the 19th at noon, followed by a a private committal at Worcester Crematorium. Sheila Austin Nail Giles passed away on February the 5th, at Worcester Hospital, funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on February the 20th at 4pm. Jeffrey Hugh Brian Griffiths passed away on January the 19th, aged 85. Funeral services at Clanes Church on February the 20th at 1.45. Barbara Mason, known as Joan, passed away at Tutnell Hall Nursing Home on January the 21st, aged 87. Funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 23rd at 2.30. Marion Joan Parker, known as Joan, passed away on January the 22nd, age 92. Funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 20th at 11.30. Roy Williams, known as Willie, of St. John's, passed away on January the 27th, aged 83. Funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 26th at 10.45. Kenneth Malcolm Jones passed away on February the 3rd, age 91. Funeral service is at Christchurch Lower Broadheath on March the 7th at 11am. 
John Trenfield, aged 87, passed away on January the 29th. Funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on March the 5th at 1pm. Eunice Vivian Allen passed away on January the 23rd, aged 84. The committal service at Worcester Crematorium on February the 20th at 12.15. Anthony Roy Drake passed away in, on January the 25th, aged 87. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on February the 27th at 12.15. Joan Gilpin passed away on January the 31st, aged 87. The funeral service is at St. Peter's Baptist Church in Worcester on March the 1st at 1.15. Barbara Marie Guise passed away on January the 30th, aged 101. Funeral service is at Old St. Martin's Church on February the 28th at 12.30. Colin Arthur Hams, a, uh, sorry, Harris aged 76, passed away on January the 21st, 25th at Worcester Royal and the funeral is at Clane's Church on February the 22nd at 2.15. Patricia Mary Rudd, known as Trish, passed away on January the 28th, aged 73. The funeral service is at St George C of E Church on the 21st of February at 12 noon. Alice Mary Morgan passed away on February the 1st, age 91. The funeral service is at St. Joseph's Roman Catholic Church in Warnden on March the 2nd at 11 a.m. Our sincere sympathies to all those who have lost their loved ones. And the thought for today is um, John, verses 29 to 30. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And now I'll pass you to Sue for the first headline. And this headline is from Friday, February the 9th. Grooming arrests. Five men from Worcester have been arrested on suspicion of being part of a gang which sexually exploited children, with two of the suspects accused of rape. The five men, all aged in their 20s, were taken into custody after police raids on seven homes and three businesses yesterday morning. That was February the 8th, while a teenager was arrested for a suspected drugs offence. All six suspects remained in custody overnight. A 23-year-old man from Worcester was arrested on suspicion of rape of a female aged 16 or over, conspiring with others to arrange or facilitate sexual exploitation of a child, arranging or facilitating the travel of another person with a view to sexual exploitation and causing a person to engage in sexual activity without consent. A 24-year-old man from Worcester was arrested on suspicion of conspiring with others to arrange or facilitate sexual, sexual exploitation of a child and arranging or facilitating the travel of another person with a view to sexual exploitation. A 25-year-old man from Worcester was arrested on a similar um, 
assault on a female aged 13 or over, conspiring with others to arrange or facilitate sexual exploitation of a child and arranging or facilitating the travel of another person with a view to um, the same offence. A 25-year-old man from Worcester was arrested on suspicion of conspiring with others to arrange or facilitate sexual exploitation of a child, arranging or facilitating the travel of another person with a view to sexual exploitation, controlling coercive behaviour and assault. A 20-year-old man from Worcester was arrested on suspicion of rape of a female aged 16 or over and assault. A 19-year-old man from Worcester was arrested on suspicion of possession of drugs with intent to supply. The revelation that police suspect that the sexual exploitation of children has been taking place in Worcester has understandably shocked the city. Speaking after the raids yesterday, Superintendent for South Worcestershire Kevin Purcell said... We take any report of child sexual exploitation and drugs trafficking offences extremely seriously and today's policing activity demonstrates our determination to investigate those who are suspected of being involved in offences against children and young people. We understand that this is a very emotive issue and that the community may well have questions. Local officers will be carrying out reassurance patrols within the area and I would encourage anyone with any concerns to speak to them. As I'm sure people will appreciate, as this is an ongoing investigation, there may be information we aren't able to discuss, but we will provide updates as and when we are able to. I have spoken with key community leaders and local councillors who are working with us to support and reassure the community. I'd like to thank everyone for their patience and understanding this morning whilst the warrants were conducted. If anyone has any concerns relating to child sexual exploitation, they are encouraged to call West Mercia Police on 101. Alternatively, information can be given anonymously to the independent charity Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 one or via their website. And on Saturday, February the 10th, the headline was City Police Raids, One Man Released. And um, it is a follow-on article from what Sue just read. One of the six men arrested following police raids has been released under investigation. A 19-year-old man from Worcester who was arrested on suspicion of possession of drugs with intent to supply is no longer in custody. The five other men from Worcester who were arrested on suspicion of being part of a gang which sexually exploited children, with two of the suspects accused of rape, remain in custody. A heavy police presence was reported in Primrose Crescent and near the Timberdine pub in Bath Road yesterday, with several police vans seen on the car park, so that would have been the Friday. A letter was distributed to homes in Bath Road, Wilds Lane and Primrose Crescent, reassuring residents and explaining the reasons for the raids. It said, this morning, offen- this morning officers have conducted a number of pre-planned search warrants in the area in relation to an ongoing investigation into reported sexual exploitation and drug offences. 
The proactive investigation is ongoing and you may see additional police activity in the area whilst inquiries continue. West Mercia police would not confirm where the raids had taken place. Speaking after the raid, Superintendent for South Worcestershire, Kevin Purcell, said, We take any report of child sexual exploitation and drugs trafficking offences extremely seriously, and today's policing activity demonstrates our determination to investigate those who are suspected of being involved in offences against children and young people. If anyone has any concerns relating to child sexual exploitation, they are encouraged to call West Mercia Police on 101. Alternatively, information can be given anonymously to the independent charity Crime Stoppers on 0800-555-111 or via their website. Uh, the headline for Monday, February the 12th, Fresh Probe into Death of Rough Sleeper. An independent expert has been called in to investigate the death of a rough sleeper whose decomposing body was found in a tent. Leaders at Worcester City Council had previously said no review would take place into the death of Carden Banfield unless another rough sleeper died, but now an independent investigation is underway. It comes more than a year and a half after Mr Banfield's body was found in a tent near Worcestershire County Cricket Club in Worcester on July the 5th, 2016. The 74-year-old's body was so badly decomposed he had to be identified from his DNA when he was discovered in a tent pitched by a footpath running alongside the river and Seven Bridge car park. A spokesman for Worcester City Council said, Homeless Link, the national umbrella body for organisations working with homeless people, last year produced new guidelines on responding to the death of a rough sleeper. Having discussed these guidelines with our partners, the City Council has brought in an independent expert to review how Worcester services interacted with Carden Banfield in the months before his death in July 2016 and to assess whether there are any lessons that need to be learned. Former rough sleeper Hugo Sugg, who organised a vigil for his friend Mr Banfield to mark the anniversary of his death, had previously said how shocked and outraged he was when he was told no review would be launched unless another rough sleeper died. A spokesman for Worcester City Council said last November that following Mr Banfield's death, the Worcestershire Safeguarding Adults Board looked into his case and the City Council housing team provided information on their dealings with him. In December 2016, Cathy McAteer, chairman of Worcestershire Safeguarding Adults Board, described Mr Banfield's death as a very sad situation, but no safeguarding adult review was launched. In her statement, the chairman added, the case review subgroup of the Worcestershire Safeguarding Adults Board have reviewed the referral and made the decision not to carry out a safeguarding adults review as, firstly, Mr Banfield was deemed to, at his own choice, only only to have had limited involvement with services in Worcestershire. Mr Sugg said he and Worcestershire Health Watch had put pressure on the City Council to launch a review. He said, this is great news. It has, it has to now be done properly. 
This has to be thorough and a thorough investigation, which digs down to the answers rather than just a whitewash. It's not necessarily about his death, but about why he was left for so long and the systemic reasons he was left to partially mummify. They have finally seen sense. I'm going to be there 100% to support them and cooperate with them. Put the past behind us to some extent and make sure lessons are learned and this doesn't happen again. The headline for Tuesday, February the 13th, Gang of Children Blamed for Fire. A gang of children who have been terrorising residents have been blamed for, for a fire which destroyed a bin shed yards from a house. The blaze erupted in Popper Drive off Newtown Road, Worcester, at shortly before 3.07pm on Sunday. Residents saw children standing near the shed before it caught fire and say they have been plagued by antisocial behaviour, including spitting and bottles of urine and even a dead rabbit being dumped in a bag in a garden. A fire crew from Worcester arrived at the scene at 3.13pm and decided to call for extra firefighters to help tackle the inferno. The flames devastated the bin store, which is owned by Fortis Living, and damaged the adjacent house. Adam Smith, aged 28, who lives in the house next to where the fire took place, said, Flames were as tall as the house itself. It's lucky no one got hurt. There was black smoke everywhere. My car got covered in it. A guy who lives nearby was banging on everyone's door, saying there was a blaze. We've been asked about a security we've been asking about a security gate for the shed. After that it needs it. It was stacked full of rubbish. The collection day is Tuesday and this was on Sunday. He added that one of his neighbours, whose window faces the blaze, had worked a night shift and slept through the fire. The resident only came out of the building after the flames had been extinguished, according to Mr Smith. He also said another neighbour claimed to see two kids standing near the shed before it caught fire. Emily Bond, a 33-year-old student of Popper Drive, Worcester, said, The kids are just a bloody nuisance. They have been terrorising one lady in particular. We've seen them spitting on neighbours' windows. I found bottles of urine in the front garden. When it was just ringing the bell or throwing rubbish about, it was just a bit of a nuisance. But now they are going to start burning rubbish. What do we do? They take it as a badge of honour. What if they had taken out someone's house with it? What What if they had hurt somebody? I want their parents to know what they are up to. When I went over to see what the damage was like, there was a chap who saw them lighting things in the bin area. He saw them light up and then run off just before it went up. He said he had seen them in there before. It must be the place to have a crafty fag. It could have been an accident. The best thing to do is to have it fenced off, but open on one side so people can see if they are messing about. She added that her neighbours were worried about speaking out in case they were targeted. Ms Bond decided to set up a residence Facebook page called Perrywood Oaks on Sunday in a bid to stamp out the problems. Natalie Hinnett, a 27-year-old accountant also of Popper Drive, said someone had previously dumped a bag containing a dead rabbit in her garden. We have a pet rabbit. I don't know if they thought it was ours, she said. I hate living around here. The majority of people are lovely. It's those few that make it difficult to enjoy the area. 
She added that youths had also pushed burning rubbish through local letterboxes and slashed car tyres. Catherine Cole, Assistant Director of Housing and Communities for Fortis Living, said, We're very sorry to hear about the fire and are thankful that it was, not, that it was contained and that no one was injured. We're now arranging for the area to be cleared, made safe and for the store to be replaced. Firefighters used three hose reels and one main jet to extinguish the severe fire and then returned to Worcester Fire Station at 4.15. Police were also called to the blaze and if anyone has any information about the fire, they can call 101 quoting incident number 446S on February the 11th. Police could not confirm if it was arson. And this is um, another fairly unsavoury article for Wednesday, February the 14th. Um, And it's a dealer had cocaine, heroin and a knife at a hotel. A drug dealer cleared of attempted murder has been back in court for selling heroin and cocaine and having a hunting knife at a Worcester hotel. Ethan Bell, previously known as Ethan Bell Milne, was acquitted by a jury of sorry um, just start that again um, was acquitted by a jury of the attempted murder of Keel Mansfield in George Street Worcester during his trial last December Mr Mansfield was stabbed three times but Bell claimed self-defence telling the jury it was either him or me the 20 year old appeared at Worcester Crown Court via video link from HMP Brinsford yesterday on fresh charges less than two months after his dramatic acquittal. He admitted possession of both heroin and cocaine with intent to supply and possession of a blade, a hunting knife in a public place. The offences happened at the Premier Inn in New Road, Worcester on June the 8th last year, three days before the stabbing of Mr Mansfield, who collapsed and was airlifted to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. Yesterday, Bell, previously of Himley Street, Dudley, appeared on a large screen before Judge Daniel Pierce Higgins, QC. Wearing a grey sports sweater and grey jogging bottoms, he was asked by the clerk of the court to confirm he was Ethan Bell, replying, yeah, yeah, yeah. The clerk told him that though he was appearing by video conferencing link, it did not change the serious nature or importance of the hearing. Asked if he understood, Bell then said, yes, sir. Caroline Harris, defending, read out a basis of plea from Bell. He admitted he was at the Premier Inn to deal the drugs and received the knife from a man who had been directing him, saying he had been forced to deal the drugs. In his statement, he said he had previously been dropped off at the house of Darren Dowie in Worcester, who didn't want him there. Bell says he was told by the man directing him to book into a hotel and asked his partner to do this on his behalf, as he didn't have any identification. He also said in the statement that his family had been threatened and an assault on him at a young offender institution had been filmed and sent to his mother. We reported last year how the jury deliberated for just 40 minutes on charges of attempted murder and wounding with intent. Bell smiled after the verdicts of the jury made up of nine men and three women were delivered. There were also sobs from the public gallery 
During the eight-day trial, the prosecution accused Bell, then 19, of stabbing Mr Mansfield three times, once in the chest and twice in the abdomen, at a flat in a rage following an argument over £20. The court heard that Bell had been selling crack cocaine at the flat, threw a knife in a canal and left in a taxi called by girlfriend Mariana da Silva. Bell will next appear in court on March the 5th for the three counts relating to his arrest on June the 8th last year. He was remanded in custody until that hearing. And today's headline, uh, Thursday, February 15th, is Nothing was done to help save Beth's life. The family of a vulnerable woman who died in an overwhelmed A&E department after overdosing on diet pills have refused to accept a coroner's ruling that she intended to take her own life. Beth Shipsey, aged 21, of Cover Green, Warnden Village's Worcester, overdosed on diet drug DNP 2,4-dintrofernal on February 15 last year and was taken by an ambulance to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. Coroner Garrind Williams gave a narrative conclusion at Worcestershire Coroner's Court yesterday but said there were significant failings in the care delivered by the hospital. Speaking after the hearing, Miss Shipsey's dad, Doug, said, Nothing was done to help save Beth's life, and a series of serious and significant failings led to, be- led to Beth having a cardiac arrest. He described how she was aimlessly wheeled around the A&E department in an in-and-out-of resuscitation room along the overcrowded corridors in full public view. Mr Shipsey said a simple phone call to the National Poisons Information Service could have triggered a whole sequence of life-saving actions. Beth was unlucky enough to be taken to an inadequate A&E department at the Worcestershire Royal Hospital, which was overcrowded, overwhelmed and understaffed, a first-world hospital in third-world circumstances. Even in A&E, Beth stood no chance of survival, he added. Mr Williams said Miss Shipsey suffered with not insignificant mental health issues. He said, despite the family's claims, the evidence before me paints a very different picture. As she told both ambulance staff and an emergency doctor, she had intended suicide. On February 15, 2017... Bethany intended to take her own life and took DNP to achieve that outcome, he added. However, Mr Williams agreed that the quality of total care was significantly substandard at times on the day of Miss Shipsey's death. He referred to emergency doctor Alireza Nirumand neglecting to call the poisons unit and tell colleagues of the risks of rapid deterioration as serious medical failure. He said clinicians failed to take sufficient steps and there is evidence of failures in basic care by various members of staff. But Mr Williams said he believed it was unlikely Miss Shipsey would have survived regardless of any extra therapeutic measures taken. I cannot include neglect in my conclusion, he added. 
Mr Shipsey went on to say, the hospital trust and the NHS improvements concludes Beth died because of a system failure, a system which is clearly very broken. As this is happening more and more across the UK, the government's failure to tackle this makes them complicit in all the harm and death caused to patients. The hard-working doctors and nurses are unfairly expected to work and function in almost impossible circumstances, and this undoubtedly leads to mistakes. He said he would like to meet Prime Minister Theresa May to hear exactly how and when she says all this will come to a stop in our hospitals across the UK. And also when the deadly toxic substance DNP will have proper and effective controls put in place. Miss Shipsey had bought the diet pills online from the Ukraine. Mr Williams said he would also push for a ban on the sale of this drug. Does Worcester need more grit bins to help clear icy streets? One councillor thinks so, but a political opponent who has the job of keeping the streets clear says it's not that simple, but also said that, says that he's looking at the issue. Councillor Jabarias, Labour councillor for Cathedral Ward in Worcester, actually complimented Councillor Alan Amos, the Conservative Cabinet Member for Highways at County Hall. He said, can I acknowledge the great work the Highways Department had done over the Christmas period in keeping the city and county moving? Credit where it's due, Councillor Amos did the best he could do under the circumstances. But that came with some criticism. Councillor Riaz said, while the city centre was cleared, traders suffered in the crucial run-up to Christmas because pavements and side streets remained icy and people couldn't get to the shops. He added, I urge Councillor Amos to make it a priority that the surrounding streets are gritted for those, those schools that intend to open, as well as reintroducing grit bins at the end of streets and community hubs so that residents can at least try to grit their own area. Councillor Amos responded, the road clearing crews at the County Highways Department did a great job. They gritted the equivalent of 18,000 miles of road and also priority centres like health centres, town centres and emergency accesses. We offer grit at a discount to any school in the county and will deliver it for free so schools can grit the roads around them. We can't be everywhere. He added, with grit bins you, can just put them, you can't just put them anywhere because they mustn't block the pavement for people with buggies or who use wheelchairs. But you can ask for one to be installed. Very few are refused and I've asked to have the process looked at to make it easier in time for next winter. I want to help people help themselves. To request a grit bin, contact 01905 845676 A drugs gang caught with heroin and crack cocaine in Worcester and who beat up addicts have been jailed for a combined total of more than nine years. Kane Cooper, aged 19, of Elbden Road, Wolverhampton, Brandon Ellsmore, 19, of St Anne's Road, Wolverhampton, and Ryan McGoldrick, 20, of Catsfield Crescent, Wolverhampton, was sentenced at Worcester Crown Court yesterday. The Worcester News previously reported on the three when they were found not guilty of a clown mask armed robbery 
at a Great Whitley garage after that trial collapsed due to lack of evidence last year. Appearing via video link, all three who had been pleading guilty to the offences of an earlier, sorry, at an earlier magistrate's court hearing, laughed and messed around at various points during the sentencing hearing. Prosecutor, prosecutor Rachel Pennington told the court police were in, sorry, told the court police were in Windermere Drive to carry out a drug warrant when they saw three men in a polo on August the 7th. A search of the three and of the vehicle found wraps of cocaine and heroin, 225 pounds in notes, nine wraps of cocaine at the Windermere Drive address and further drugs at a second Worcester address. Miss Pennington told Cooper and McGoldrick also gave false names to police when arrested while a lock knife was found in the car with a thumbprint which belonged to McGoldrick. Miss Pennington said on the same day of the arrest, after being released on police bail and told to leave Worcestershire, Cooper and McGoldrick carried out assaults on two drug users they supplied at Windermere Drive, used as a base to deal drugs. The woman was kicked and sent into chairs, while the man was punched and kicked, breaking his ribs. Lee Masters of Elmsmore said he was an impress- impressionable young man who, along with his co-offenders, had acted on the orders of others. He was only 19, Mr. Master said. This has been his first taste of custody, and it will come as no surprise he was not found, he has not found it very, he has not found a very enjoyable experience. Nicholas Berry, for McGoldrick, said, A mitigating factor on obstructing police was both he and Cooper were interviewed under the correct name, so the lying had been for only a short period. Mr. Berry said, McGoldrick had not brandished the knife, and as he had no previous convictions, there was a low risk of him reoffending. He is ashamed and remorseful, Mr. Berry added. Nicholas Smith for Cooper said the 19-year-old had got into the wrong crowd and was expelled from school, which led him continuing to be in trouble, including previous convictions for theft and possession of cannabis. Judge Robert Jukes, QC, said he was giving the three custodial sentences as the courts tried to stop the trafficking of drugs to Worcester, as those who become addicted go on to commit further offences. Cooper was jailed for 42 months and given a 12-month driving ban for being involved in the supply of crack cocaine and heroin, possession of Class A drugs, ABH, common assault, obstructing a police officer and driving with no licence and no insurance. McGoldrick was jailed for 42 months for being involved in a supply of crack cocaine and heroin, possession of Class A drug, ABH, obstructing a police officer and possession of a bladed article, and Elmsmore was jailed for 30 months for being involved in the supply of crack cocaine and heroin and possession of Class A drugs. All three must pay a £170 victim surcharge. As many as 225 jobs could be lost at a Droitwich castings firm as it looks to cut back on costs. Doncaster's Precision Castings, based in Vines Lane, launched a formal consultation with its workforce at the end of January. 
As part of the process, which will last at least 45 days, management has entered talks with the site's Joint Consultative Committee. Mark Ward, Divisional Managing Director, responsible for the site, said, The decision was a difficult but necessary step in ensuring the future of the Doncaster's facilities in Droitwich in the face of a global turndown in the gas, power generation equipment market, which they primarily serve. We firmly believe in the long-term prospects of the facility and that the market will recover following this global rebalancing. However, the current turndown has resulted in reduced orders over the coming year as it impacts upon our customers and their supply chain. This is, understandably, a difficult time for our employees and we will be doing everything we can to engage with our workforce in Droitwich to ensure um, and reduce the need for compulsory redundancies. The castings firm has said there are no plans to close either of its facilities in Berry Hill Industrial Estate or in Vines Lane. Councillor Richard Morris, Executive Board Member for Economy and Housing on Witchhaven District Council, said... I understand the proposed job losses are linked to a global turndown in the gas power generation market and are necessary to ensure that the long-term future of the Droitwich site. I have complete confidence that Doncaster's remains fully committed to Droitwich as they recently purchased land and gained planning permission for a major expansion, so I am hopeful that when the market recovers we will see the company growing again. That said, every job lost is an individual tragedy for the person involved and their family. Councillor Morris added that the opportunities will be available for workers if redundancies are made. He added that the local economy is doing well, with many businesses expanding. Doncaster's Precision Castings produces investment cast and engine-ready machined industrial gas turbine blades in nickel and cobalt-based super-alloys. Construction is about to start on the new Worcestershire Parkway station. The area for a 500-space car park is now cleared and groundworks are complete, paving the way for construction to begin. Foundations are being laid for construction of the main station building. The steel frame will begin to take shape in the coming months, as well as the footbridge over the railway line from Woodbury Lane. County Councillor Ken Pollock, Cabinet Member with Responsibility for Economy and Infrastructure, said The progress on the new Worcestershire Parkway station is great news for the county. The new station will help to ensure Worcestershire has much better connectivity with other parts of the country and this is one of the Council's key priorities. With our local economy already booming, this new station will help to continue our growth and benefit local businesses and residents. The station, located to the east of Junction 7 of the M5, will be accessible for commuters and other rail passengers from all over the county. Many of these commuters currently travel outside the county to get their trains to London, the southwest, South Wales or to the north, or choose to drive to their end destinations. Chris Walklett, tax partner at Bishop Fleming Chartered Accountants, based in Worcester, said, Our rail connectivity is critical to create business opportunities. 
The way we travel means that improvements in these services, not just to and from London, but to Birmingham, Bristol and beyond, is critical. Worcestershire Parkway forms part of the wider £50 million plus rail investment programme in the county by the County Council and its partners. It comes as figures show that Worcestershire is set to see a 97% growth in passenger numbers on its rail network by 2043. One of the most popular landmarks on the Malvern Hills has reopened after a major restoration project. The Malvern Hills Trust, which owns St Anne's Well, says that the, grade work, that the work has brought the Grade 2 listed building into the 21st century. <clears throat> Excuse me. The trust, formerly the Malvern Hills Conservators, started to project an, uh, in late summer 2017 with an extensive programme of renewals and repairs to the structure of the property. The restoration plans were drawn up by Malvern-based architect Matthew Gullick, working closely with Malvern Hills District Council's Conservation Officers and Historic England to carefully protect the sensitive historic features of the building. The works contract was carried out by another Malvern-based company, Sean Morris Builders, which carried out the external repairs and restoration works to the roof the gutters and downpipes, the windows and the building's elevations. Inside, a full renovation of the cafe, kitchen and internal facilities has been undertaken, including new electrical, plumbing, drainage and heating systems and damp proofing. Duncan Bridges, the Trust's Chief Executive, said, St Anneswell is a well-known feature on the hills, but had reached a stage where the fabric of the building needed sorting out. This project was aimed at restoring and refreshing the historic exterior of the property, while at the same time bringing the internal services of the building into the 21st century. We are delighted with the works that have been achieved, which will ensure St Anne's is fit for purpose for many years to come. St Anne's Well has a long history of welcoming visitors to the hills. The oldest part of the building, the well room, was built in 1815 by Lady Emily Foley after water cure pioneer Dr Wilson declared that the spring water could provide health benefits. It became an important location for the water cure which brought huge numbers of people from far and wide to Malvern and to the hills. The university-led electric bike share scheme launched in Worcester yesterday, with organisers hoping to encourage non-cyclists to take it up as a viable form of transport. The Woo Bikes scheme is initially being piloted by staff and students at the University of Worcester over the next two years, with 50 e-bikes, but will be open to other employers in the city. It's hoped that the £87,000 project will be rolled out to other parts of the county in the future, with more than half the cost being met by Worcestershire LEP. Other funding has come from the county and county councils, and city council and the university itself. Katie Boom, Director of Sustainability at the university, said, We are delighted to offer these e-bikes to our students and staff, as a convenient, fun and healthy means of travelling and to lead on such a significant project for the city. The scheme will incorporate the university's current bike loan scheme, 
which has more than 60 members and a supply of 50 pedal bikes. The 50 e-bikes, which can be hired for a 24-hour period, are equipped with a lithium-ion battery, allowing the bike's motor to give people a boost when needed as soon as they pedal. Mrs Boom said, We know from other bike schemes that we want to reach people who aren't traditional cyclists. We want to go to people who haven't been who haven't even thought about cycling. And the fact that we've got these e-bikes, it makes it a lot easier, especially if people are a little bit scared. At £2 a day, it's more affordable. It's cheaper than a day bus pass. So again, there's lots of things we want to pilot over the next two years. Coming to the university, we're going to be doing the research, the monitoring and the evaluation, she added. The bikes are being provided by GTEC, while Spokes, a project within the Kidderminster-based Emily Jordan Foundation charity, will maintain them, while Fleet Innovations in Kidderminster will provide GPS tracking. Visit worcester.ac.uk forward slash discover forward slash bike dash share for more information. Respite care provision in Worcestershire is in less and less demand with the County Council spending nearly half a million pounds a year on places that aren't taken up. At a Cabinet meeting, the Authority's Conservative Cabinet members heard from Deputy Leader and the member with responsibility for adult social care, Councillor Adrian Hardman. He said, More people are living independent lives in supported housing and we have quite a lot of surplus capacity. We are spending £450,000 a year on replacement care places which are not used. The occupancy rates of council-owned replacement care rooms over the last year were shown to be between 95% and 70%. Mr Hardman said, if you were running a commercial hotel business, then you'd be wanting to see an occupancy rate of over 95%. The Cabinet agreed that council officers should talk to the users of replacement care services, people with care responsibilities and professionals before reporting back with options on how to improve the efficiency of the service in June. Other measures approved were the transfer of hosting the jointly funded Museums Worcestershire Service and which runs the Commandery Worcester Art Gallery and Museum and the County Museum at Hartlebury Castle to, to the City Council. That plan was agreed last week by Worcester City Council's Communities Committee. The Cabinet also accepted a new strategy for children with special educational needs with the intention of reducing the number of children with such needs who are excluded from school. At the moment, the number is disproportionately higher than students without special needs. The Cabinet also agreed with a plan to keep the Grange Care Home in Kidderminster as a long-term home for people with dementia. West Midland Safari Park has been named the UK's most loved animal attraction. Dayoutwiththekids.co.uk gave the title to the attraction near Budley as part of its DOWTK Loves activities. The Safari Park won the accolade as a result of its popularity on the site and based on feedback from parents who have visited. The variety of activities on offer, including the land of the living dinosaurs, the chance to feed animals up close and a free return ticket were all factors. 
Lisa O'Keefe, brand manager at dayoutwiththekids.co.uk, said, West Midland Safari Park is one of the most viewed attractions we have on the site, and as they are continually expanding with more to see and do each visit, it's a very worthy winner of our most loved animal attraction. Laura Belfort-Thomas, PR officer at West Midland Safari Park, said, We're delighted to be announced as the favourite animal attraction by Day Out with the Kids. It really means a lot to us. We work so hard to ensure visiting families and guests have the best day out with us. We have lots of exciting things going on this half term, including our event with new movie Early Man, with a trail, an exclusive prize and the chance to see parts of the set. Tickets are now on sale for the latest pop extravaganza at Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Pop Fest on Saturday, June the 30th, will bring together some of the top stars of the 1990s and 2000s in what promises to be a pop fan's dream. Last summer, 10,000 fans flocked to the new road grounds to see, see superstar Ollie Murs deliver a memorable show. Pop Fest will feature Louise... Gabrielle, Boys Life, comprising original members of Boyzone and Westlife, East 17, S Club, Chesney Hawks and Wigfield. Early bird tickets for the all-day event cost £35 and children under the age of 12 go free when accompanied by an adult. VIP hospitality packages are also available. Club Managing Director John Graham said this is the third successive year that we have held major concerts at New Road and it is an ongoing commitment from the club to stage them every year. There were 10,000 people at the Olly Murs concert last summer and this is another exciting bill for music lovers in the city and beyond to enjoy. It should be another day to remember and we are delighted that SC Entertainments and SC Events are promoting this event. Tickets are now on sale at the club's website. Louise was a member of the ultra-successful Eternal, but enjoyed massive success in her own right as a solo performer with platinum-selling albums Naked, Women in, in Me and Elbow Beach. Boys Life includes Brian McFadden of Westlife and Keith Duffy of Boyzone, two mega-boy bands who between them achieved 20 number one hits. Singer-songwriter Gabrielle saw her debut single Dreams go to number one in 1993 and six years later Rise went, to the, same, went the same way. East 17's debut album Walthamstow was a number one and their mixture of pop and hip-hop brought them 18 top 20 hits. Chesney Hawks was only 19 when in 1991 he rocketed to the top of the UK singles charts with the one and only. It also reached number one in nine countries all over Europe. And we'll start now with um, the sports. This is historic motorsport returns to Droitwich once again this summer in the Chateau Impney hosts its action-packed hill climb. More than 200 competitors will be striving to write their names in a new chapter of the Chateau's motor sport history by challenging one of the UK's most unique hill climb courses. Since the event returned in 2015, 
After a 48-year hiatus, it has gone from strength to strength. The records on the course have tumbled while the crowds have swelled to 16,000 visitors. At the 2017 event, spectators were thrilled by exhilarating motorsport, awe-inspiring air displays, lunchtime demonstrations, specialist traders and lots of family-friendly attractions. Motorsport enthusiasts were able to explore the open paddock where they could get up close and personal with some of the impressive cars facing the Chateau Imney Challenge. Plus, spectators were able to catch the action on the course from the general access grandstands or a large format screen throughout as Jack Woodhouse in his Lotus 22 single-seater smashed the 40-second barrier to set a new hill climb record. A spokesman said the Chateau Impney hill climb prides itself on having a relaxed summer garden party atmosphere while offering all of the excitement and glamour that comes hand-in-hand with historic motorsport. Chateau Impney forms a remarkable centrepiece for the event. This year's event takes place on July the 7th and 8th, and for more details go to chateauimpneyhillclimb.com. And this um, article is about Worcester City Football Club and their 1-0 win over Coles Hill Town. Worcester City joint manager John Snape was over the moon after George Forsyth's wonder goal saw his side beat table toppers Coles Hill Town 1-0. Despite the promotion rivals scoring 125 goals between them this season, they looked to be heading for a goalless draw until Forsyth's volley, with five minutes remaining, crashed in off the post. Forsyth had sent a warning minutes earlier, firing low into the box, which was deflected away through the crowd before netting a winner. Coles Hill were unable to respond and fell to their first total motion Midland League Premier Division defeat since October, a run of ten games. I'm over the moon, and for George as well, because it was a fantastic strike for the goal which was worthy of winning any game, said Snape. Coles Hill have got some good players and caught us with players running behind a bit too easy in the first half. We talked about stopping that at half-time and the second half it was nip and tuck. What changed the game for me was the introduction of Matt Burley and his ability on the ball to get us going again was fantastic. There was some outstanding, There were some outstanding performances from both teams Defensively, both teams mastered the game and it took a wonderful strike to win it. It was like a game of chess at times. Snape's side could have gone behind early on when Ryan Edmonds flashed the ball across the face of the goal, but a deluded striker, James Hicks. Any debutante, Bekia Halil, almost made an immediate impact, cutting inside before snatching at the chance and blazing over. Coles Hill were probing for an opener and Nathan Vaughan was forced into action, denying Edmund's glancing header. However, it was Snape's side who could have had the lead at half-time after leading scorer Dave Reynolds beat his man before his deflected effort was saved. Defender Wayne Thomas also went close for City, sending his powerful header just over from Forsyth's free kick. 
However, Coles Hill remained a threat and caught the visitors out as Rhys Leake ran through on goal and put the ball under Vaughan, only to be denied by Jamie Smith clearing on the goal line. Hicks should have scored with seven minutes remaining, connecting with a cross but sending his free header wide. However, two minutes later, City pushed forwards and when the ball looped out to Forsyth, he volleyed low and in it ran off the post. City remained six points behind new leaders Bromsgrove Sporting, but Snape says the promotion race is wide open. It's the squad game and we have played three games in a week and taken seven points, he said. There are 50 points still to play for and the league is very open for a lot of teams. It's whoever can go on a run now as teams will be beating each other. There is going to be an absolute avalanche of games and people are going to be playing three times a week. Throw that into the mix and it's going to be a very exciting season for everybody. Worcester Warriors might be losing David Denton, but boss Alan Solomons believes his side will be in a very fortunate position when Cornell Dupres arrives at six ways. Denton has made a big impact at Warriors since joining them from Bath last summer. But Solomons revealed the 28-year-old's contract was due to expire at the end of the season and decided to move to a new club in the summer. David has got a chance at another club and we wish him every success, Solomon said. We know he'll give absolutely everything he's got until the end of the season. Denton's fine form for Warriors resulted in him making his first outing for Scotland since June 2016 on Sunday when he featured off the bench against France in the Six Nations. He's been happy here and has done well, Solomons continued. His play has improved to an extent where he got called up by Scotland, so he has not been unhappy in this environment. Professional sport is like professional business. A a guy gets an offer and he goes somewhere else. Denton added, I've really enjoyed my short time here and would like to thank the club and fans for making me feel so welcome and giving me opportunities which have seen me return to the international fray with Scotland. I wish Warriors the best of luck in the coming years and will make sure I do the jersey proud till the end of the season. Denton will be replaced at Worcester by his Scotland teammate Duprez, uh, who has agreed a two-year deal to join Solomon's men. Duprez, who worked under Solomon's at Southern Kings and Edinburgh, has made six appearances for Scotland, with his most recent in this season, Six Nations against Wales. We are very fortunate, as Cornell is a terrific player, Solomon said. He's not a small guy. He's about six foot three inches and about 108 kilos. But he has an outstanding skill set. His skills are like those of a back and is a very tough physical player. Duprez made the move to Edinburgh in 2013, where he has made 96 appearances, scoring 13 tries. The 26-year-old also helped the Scottish side to the European Challenge Cup final in 2015 and also the quarter-finals of the competition last season. 
I'm thoroughly excited about reuniting with Alan and moving to England to play for Warriors, said Dupres. I've always wanted to test myself in the Premiership and look forward to my next challenge. And in cricket, Kevin Sharp feels ready for his second shot as a head coach and reckons Worcestershire can benefit from his stint with Yorkshire. Sharp was presented with the task of taking over from Wayne Clark for the 2003 season after a lengthy spell out of the game. But 15 years on, the former second team coach feels he has the experience of the modern game and man management skills required after moving into the new road hot seat last month. I went back to Yorkshire in 2003, having been out of the first class game for about eight years, he said. I went back as batting coach and just prior to the season they released the first team coach and I was asked to take on the role for that season. To be honest, I wasn't quite ready for it then. I'd been working in development at Bradford Leeds University for two years. I'd been doing some one-to-one coaching with the Yorkshire players, so I was asked to go back as a batting coach, but it suddenly changed prior to that season. Let's just say in the past 15 years, I've been back in the first-class game. I've learnt a lot more about the modern game and the management of people. I think I was just a bit naive to the game then. When I left the game in 1993, I went back into it in 2003 and it was 10 years and the game had changed so much. Probably from a tactical and perhaps management scenario, I wasn't ready then. Now I've been back in the game for most of that 15 years and I love working at this club. Having had the conversations we've had about my job description, if you like, I feel ready. I'm 58 and I'm ready. Has it given me a new lease of life? Absolutely. I feel very motivated. I'm buzzing. Sharp also believes last season's second string will be well equipped to join him in making the step up if required in 2018. The county finished third in the second 11 championship, came within a whisker of qualifying for the semi-finals in the 50 over competition and improved their T20 record. The white ball stuff definitely improved and developed, he added. We were unfortunate not to reach the semi-final of the 50 over competition after some excellent performances. The T20 was not as good, yet we still managed to win games which we didn't in the previous season. You saw some of the younger lads who have played for a year or two developing in that and learning the skills required to play in the format of the game. The key thing in second 11 cricket is to prepare guys to play first team cricket and have guys who are ready. Former staff, patients and others are being invited to share their stories about an infamous psychiatric hospital in Powick. Powick Hospital, formerly the Worcester County and City Lunatic Asylum, may be part of a three-part BBC Four series entitled The People's History of the NHS. Powick Hospital was closed in 1989 and demolished in the 1990s. The documentary is a crowdsourced history of the health service told through people's treasured mementos and objects. Seven Wonder Productions are hoping to speak to former staff, patients, their families and those with connections to the hospital. Laura Watt of Seven Wonder Productions said... I'm hoping to speak to as many people as possible with connections to POIC during that time. I'm particularly looking to talk to ex-patients and their relatives 
and previous members of staff about their personal experiences with the hospital and what life was like there for both those who gave and received treatment and care. She added, using these fascinating objects and deeply personal stories and made in partnership with University of Warwick's History Department and the Welcome Collection, these films will uncover a 70-year history of the highs and lows, triumphs and catastrophes of the NHS, which together paint a vivid portrait of Britain. The episode would feature the years 1948 to 1973. The hospital located in Hospital Lane was the source of a controversial World in Action documentary in 1968. A plaque to remember the hospital was unveiled on the Crown Pub in Malvern Road, Powick, on Tuesday, June the 27th last year. During this time, the hospital nursed more than 25,000 Worcester patients. Interested people can email peoplehistorynhs at sevenwonder.co.uk or call 0203-701-7599. And, and this is a story about a charity ball for um, Grace Kelly, um, who has um, died of a, a rare form of cancer. There's a picture on, on, on this page of Worcester Warriors star Chris Pennell, who's backing the event. A glamorous ball is being held in Worcester to help support a charity in memory of a four-year-old girl who died of a rare cancer. Worcester-based charity, the Grace Kelly Ladybird Trust, is holding its Ladybird Ball at Six Ways Stadium, the home to Worcester Warriors, in Hindlip, on Saturday, March the 17th. During the event, hugely popular national cover band, the Chip Shop Boys, will provide musical entertainment. The charity was set up in memory of Grace Elizabeth Kelly from Kroll, who passed away in November 2014 from a rare childhood cancer called malignant rhabdoid tumour. Michelle Nolan, fundraiser for the Trust, said, An evening of glitz and glamour. It's an event not to be missed. Our team of volunteers are busy planning all the final touches for the evening and we can't wait to announce more details in the coming weeks. The Trust is working to help save the lives of other children with cancer by funding research, providing education, raising awareness and working towards an earlier diagnosis for children with cancer. The charity also provides support for families. Nicole and Co, Ark Bikey Gin, Market Link and the Marquee Company of Worcestershire Limited are sponsoring the event. Tickets and sponsorship opportunities are still available for the evening. Anyone interested can email Jennifer Kelly on contact at gracekellyladybird.co.uk. Tickets cost £55, including a welcome drink, entertainment and a three-course meal. A city councillor has warned residents not to pay for services which offer to fix bad TV signals near 4G network masts, as the problem can be solved for free. Councillor Stephen Hodgson, who represents Warnden Parish North at Worcester City Council, has received many reports of poor TV signals near a mobile mast in Warnden. The problem stems from a mast opposite Haywayne Avenue, which now emits a 4G signal, 
meaning Freeview users now experience loss of sound, blank screens, no signal messages and constant freezing. Some frustrated viewers have paid to fix the issue unaware that a company called At 800 offers free support to homes that watch TV through Freeview. Councillor Hodgson said the bulk of reports have come from a cluster of roads off Plantation Drive, including Purley Avenue, Birchenga Green, Kangle Lane, Rye Flat, Birtree Avenue and Woolmead Row. I just want to make people aware that there is a company that will help them out if there is a poor signal and they are affected by the new 4G signal from the mast, he said. I've been told that residents have been paying to sort this problem out and there really is no need for that. You are more likely to be affected if you live close to a new 4G mast or are in an area with weak digital television reception or have a TV signal booster. Satellite and cable services such as Sky and Virgin Media are not affected. 4G mobile signals transmit at 800 MHz, which interferes with Freeview because the signal is transmitted through an aerial. Plans to modify the existing mast for a 4G signal were quickly accepted by the City Council as not much work would be needed and it would bring faster network signals to the area. AT800 also offers extra support for people who are 75 years of age or older, are registered blind or partially sighted or receive some benefits. Any viewers who experience interference should call AT800 for free on 0808 1313 or visit the website at800.tv. Budget retailer Aldi has knocked Waitrose off the top spot in an annual supermarket satisfaction survey. Aldi was placed first in the in-store category in the survey of 6,800 shoppers who were asked about their experience of shopping for groceries, both in-store and at online supermarkets, over the previous six months. Marks & Spencer was placed second, while Lidl was third, with Sainsbury's placed bottom of the, of the in-store survey. Despite Aldi's stores being described by some of in the survey as untidy and a jumble sale, and customers complaining about rushed checkouts, value for money was a key factor in its climb to the top spot. Supermarkets were ranked in the in-store category based on consumers' feelings about the appearance of stores, queuing time, staff availability, the range and quality of products and value for money. Waitrose, which had previously held the top position for three years, fell to fourth place. Separate studies have previously suggested that the Waitrose effect of having one of its stores nearby can help to add value to residents' homes, which said customers gave Waitrose a two-star rating for its value for money in contrast to Aldi's five. The councillor is <clears throat> heading to America for a romantic adventure with his fiancée after stepping down as leader of Droitwich Spa Town Council. Councillor Tom Noyes, leader of the council's ruling Conservative group and a former mayor, has now handed the reins to fellow councillor Alex Sinton. 
Also a member of the District Council, Councillor Noy, said he will not be standing for re-election in May 2019. Having got engaged to partner Patricia Taylor, Councillor Noy, 75, is heading with his bride-to-be to the States to stay with friends in Arizona for a few weeks. We both lost our partners around the same time, explained Councillor Noyes, whose wife, Glenis, also a former mayor, died in May 2015. Luckily, we found each other, and we have the same outlook on a lot of things. It made sense to step aside now, and we're both ones for a bit of a romantic adventure. Town clerk Pam Craney is set to retire at the end of the year and will be succeeded by assistant clerk Mark Keld. Councillor Noyes, who will continue as a member of the town council after he returns from his trip to America, felt a new leader and a clerk duo is the best way forward. You get to a certain age and you have things you want to do and you just get a feeling that the time is right, he explained. A fan of Western films, Councillor Noyes will also visit the OK Corral in Tombstone, Arizona, the site of the famous gunfight. The couple will then stop off at Las Vegas, but the councillor assured that they will not be tying the knot in the Chapel of Love. Speaking at a town council meeting last month, Councillor Sinton said his appointment was a great pleasure, but with a shade of sadness. We've known each other for a long time, but not just through this council, but our other spheres of activity as well. And I think on behalf of the council, Tom, thank you for everything you've done. All the support you've given me, and absolutely, it's your sense of humour and intelligence as well. There's no doubt you see the heart of it. He added, thanks again for everyone's faith in putting me in this position. Councillor Alan Humphrey said, I would also like to say thank you to Councillor Noyes for all the hard work he's done, and also for being so very kind to me in 2015 when I was elected onto this council. Councillor Noyes not got me involved in all the committees, so I will always be grateful. As an aside, I would like to welcome Councillor Sinton. School pupils celebrated Chinese New Year in style. <coughs> Martley Primary School welcomed Chinese lion dancers and children dressed up in Chinese lion costumes. The celebration was ahead of Chinese New Year on Friday, February the 16th. Teacher Sheena Chilvers said, Each year, as part of our school's global learning, we celebrate Chinese New Year by learning about traditions and customs. This week, GP Marshall Fitness from Lempster helped us kick-start this by performing a Chinese lion dance to the whole school. Each class worked with the team to perform their own dance using the authentic Chinese lion costumes, keeping time with the drum and cymbals. It was a fun and memorable day with everyone taking part. A Chinese New Year celebration will take place in Worcester High Street from midday until 3pm on Sunday, February the 25th. And the next article is a slightly different topic. It's entitled, My Study of Cities Toilets, but uh, you might find it useful and amusing. When I first pictured my career in journalism, I did not see myself reviewing public toilets in Worcester. But alas, my news editor, who obviously dislikes me more than I thought, sent me out yesterday to inspect our local lavatories. 
He issued this bizarre order after reading a soap supplier survey, which revealed the city has the cleanest loos in the country. I decided to start my toilet tour in Cripplegate Park. When I inserted 20p to open the door, I was met with a sight of sheer chaos. There was dirty toilet paper on the floor, the toilet bowl needed a clean and stains on the shiny metal, metallic walls. What fresh hell is this, I thought, as I pulled down the toilet seat from the wall. While I might be slightly exaggerating the horror inside that cursed cubicle, it really was pretty shoddy. The next public bog I inspected on Grandstand Road proved slightly better than my Cripplegate nightmare, although the room still had the same metallic walls. I was stunned by a piercing siren sound when I walked inside and found that the so-called toilet seat was made up of two strips of black plastic attached to the rim. There was also no toilet roll holder inside, although in fairness there was plenty of room. Again, the unpleasant experience cost me another 20p. I then headed over to Angel Place and finally found a toilet that was worth being charged for. The lavatory had an impressive exterior with turnstiles at the entrance, a row of urinals inside and toilet cubicles at the far end of the room. It was spotlessly clean and was the only loo I saw which merited the soap supplier's accolade. After this delightful experience, I headed to the corn market for the last leg of my toilet tour. After dropping my final 20p to unlock the door, I found that the lavatory had the same space pod interior as the dreaded cubicle in Cripplegate Park. Thankfully, it was in a better state, although it did have some cigarette ends on the floor. So, in conclusion, what did I learn from my hour-long forensic examination? Well, for one, my faith in surveys has been shaken to the core. Secondly, I have realised that I'd serve the public far better by becoming a cleaner. And a spokesman for Worcester City Council said, the public toilets in Worcester are cleaned at least twice a day and we work hard to maintain high standards. If we are made aware of a specific problem at one of the toilets, we will respond quickly and attend and sort it out. Any problems with the public toilets can be reported to the council on www.wooster.gov.uk forward slash report hyphen report it. An inventor from Colwall has reached the final of a national competition with his latest innovation. Mark Singleton is one of just 10 finalists for the Inventor Prize, which was launched last year to harness Britain's inventive spirit and answer some of society's biggest issues. Spacelink is a green building material that can be mass-produced. It is a new way of joining fibreglass box and tube without metal or adhesive to build lightweight structures. It is 40% of the weight of steel that supports the same load and reduces CO2 emissions by 80%. Mr Singleton said, With my architectural training, I'm an in I am interested in new and better ways of building. From lightweight bridges to temporary structures, 
railway infrastructure, offshore and marine applications and a lot else. It opens new doors. That's quite exciting. As a finalist, Mr Singleton will get £5,000 to develop his idea, plus mentoring from Barclays Eagle Labs, which is providing access to facilities and equipment and individual coaching. The overall winner, to be announced in September, will receive a £50,000 prize to help get their product to market. The competition is being run by innovative foundation Nesta. Preparations are well underway for this year's Map Fest Music Festival at Malvern Link Common. The festival to be held over two days in June has a new chairman, Julie Ann Good, taking over from festival founder Andy Mapp, who has retired from the post for health reasons. She said, We aim to put on a wonderful weekend of entertainment for the whole family and raise funds. We've had a phenomenal number of bands and musicians applying to to play, 756 in fact. We are working hard to go through every application and believe me, there is some incredible talent. We're so grateful for every application. We've had musicians and bands applying from as far as Australia and Turkey. It's fantastic. This year we're raising money for the festival by doing a sponsored walk in fancy dress on Saturday, February the 24th around Great Malvern. And the following week, one of our committee members, Jonathan Smith, has been sponsored to walk miles across the Malvern Hills. We've plans for a barn dance and quiz night and some evening entertainment fundraising events. One of the more exciting things that we've done is the committee and 20 other musicians went into a studio and created a CD that will be released with video in the next three weeks. It was a wonderful turnout of people that gave up their time and used their talents to help us create something special. That day was a wonderful day and just showed how much effort people put into MapFest. In 2017, we raised an amazing £5,600 for our three worthy causes, Acorns Children Hospice, St Richard's Hospice and Malvern Community Action. The charities we are supporting this year are Headway and St. Richard's Hospice, Malvern Community Action and Charlotte and Craig Saving Hearts Foundation. Each one of these causes are so very important and we want to be able to raise as much as we can to help with each. This year's festival will be on Saturday and Sunday, June the 16th and 17th. There's still spaces for stores and anyone interested can find out more at mapfest.co.uk. A woman has called for more on-the-spot fines for littering after watching people throwing beer cans down by the river. Nikki James snapped this picture of three young men who she said were lining up their empty beer cans on a wall before knocking them down onto the side of the river and leaving them there. She sent us the picture after reading about stricter penalties being considered for irresponsible dog owners who did not pick up their pet's mess. She said, the likes of these young men are allowed to drink, then line their cans up on the railings, then knock them down onto the side of the river and not pick them up. How's about more on-the-spot fines for littering? We reported how Worcester City Council is considering tougher powers to tackle dog fouling on pavements and in parks and open spaces. 
the proposals would see the introduction of a public spaces protection order requiring any person in charge of a dog to remove dog faeces. The council could also introduce a number of clearly marked dog exclusion areas around the city and is looking at whether to impose a fixed penalty notice of up to £75. A spokesman for the City Council confirmed that a decision on increasing the -the on-the-spot fines for littering will be decided as part of the Council budget in February. If agreed, as is expected, Council officers will have the power to fine litterbugs £150 from April. The dates for two returning beer festivals have finally been announced after much anticipation. Worcester Beer Cider and Perry Festival and Oktoberfest Worcester will both once again be held at the city's Grandstand Road racecourse in August and October, respectively. Last year, the camera-organised festival saw over 200 beers, 120 ciders and 30 perries on offer. This included 15 beers from Worcester and further options from nearby Pershaw, Malvern, Bewdley, Starbridge and Kinver. The festival is set to take place from Thursday, August 9th to Saturday, August 11th. It was announced on the Worcester Beer Fest Twitter page on Monday. Festival Publicity Officer Bill Ottaway, speaking before last year's event, said, With so many different beer, ciders and parries to choose from, there is bound to be something for everyone. Meanwhile, the second Worcester Oktoberfest was confirmed for Friday, October 19th and Saturday, October 20th. The Worcester version of the long-running 18-day German beer and folk festival held in Munich since 1810 attracted between five and 7,000 people last year. To be held inside one of Europe's largest beer tents, the Bavarian-style festival will include authentic Umpa bands, as well as German food and steins, which is the one-litre beer vessel that you drink from. Following news, the event would be returning on the Oktoberfest Worcester Facebook page, which is liked by 3,231 users. Jason Ford said... Had a great time last year. Danke. While Tom Webb said, let the hangover commence. A statement from the organiser said, after an amazing 2017 with Worcester's first ever Oktoberfest, we're proud to be returning for 2018 for a huge weekend of traditional Bavarian entertainment, food and drink. The original Munich Oktoberfest began to celebrate the marriage of Prince Ludwig to Princess Therese of Sachse-Hildeburghausen and Camera was founded in 1971 and campaigners for real ale community pubs and consumer rights. Visit the website worcesterbeerfest.org.uk and oktoberfestworcester.co.uk for more information. And just a couple more um, dates to put into your diary. Musician and comedian Mitch Ben is on a tour called I'm Still Here. And if anyone wants proof, he has a gig lined up at Worcester's Huntington Hall. A spokesman said, congratulations, it's two hundred, sorry, 2018 and you're still here. So is Mitch, the country's leading musical satirist. 
according to the times, and he's looking backwards, forwards, sideways, trying to make the world a better place, one silly song at a time. Join him as he looks back over his career and ponders where he, and indeed all of us, might be going next. The date for the diary is April the 27th. The tickets at worcesterlive.co.uk. And then there's walking tours on the Worcester story are being held in the city daily between February the 14th to, sorry, Wednesday, February the 14th to Sunday, February the 25th. Discover History are running the tours priced £7.50 starting at 6pm from the front of the Guildhall. For more information, call 07949-222-137. A couple of birthdays uh, for whom we wish a very happy birthday is Hilda Guise on the 12th and Malcolm Burke on the 22nd. Uh, many happy returns. If there's anybody who hasn't, who has a birthday um, around this time and hasn't let us know, please do because we'd love to wish you a happy birthday. Lighting up time is seventeen twenty-two to seven twenty-seven. Um, emergency phone numbers for out-of-hours medical assistance from six p.m. to eight a.m. is zero three zero zero one two three three two one one. And the NHS number for non-emergency help is 111. Malvern Theatre telephone number 01684-894-892277. Worcester Love 611429 covers the Swan and Huntington Hall. Worcester Hub number for council matters is 765765 or 722233. Crime Stoppers telephone number 0800 Our telephone number is 01905 Our address is 11 Wiles Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. Our website is worcestertalkingnews.org.uk on which you can find all the recordings for the weekly news and monthly magazines and much more. So do have a listen into that. We value your feedback, likes or dislikes, changes you might like to make. Just uh, let us know when you return your um, sticks in the envelope and we'll see what we can do for you. Um, Until then, from all of us, have a good week. Thank you.